With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy, the media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. Today, I sat down with former NBA player and founder of Viola Extracts, Al Harrington, whose company is one of the nation's leading producers of licensed wholesalers of premium quality cannabis products. We discussed in depth the Shakari Richardson suspension and the lack of compassion that has been shown to her. While we are not advocating for anyone to break the rules, certain situations like Shakari Richardson should at least evoke a sense of compassion and objectivity that would cause at least a reevaluation of the rule itself. This was a great discussion. Hope you enjoy. Al Harrington, how you doing, sir? I'm good, E. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. You know, uh, always great catching up with you. Um, I see you all over the place uh, doing everything with Viola and advocating and getting bids and, you know what I mean, everything that you're doing. How's everything going? Good, bro. You know, like you said, just a lot going on, Um, you know, obviously, you know, operating and building the brand and also, you know, fundraising all that across the board. So, you know, just a a constant everyday grind. But, you know, having fun doing it, bro. That's great. That's great. I wanted to talk to you and get your opinion on this. And it's been in the the news these last few days. And that's um, Olympian Shakari Richardson. And, you know, it. It's interesting. I can give people a quick update if they don't know. The United States Anti-Doping Agency um, announced that Shakari Richardson um, has accepted a one-month suspension. Um, She tested positive for marijuana. And in accepting the penalty, um, you know, Richmond's results from the U.S. Olympic trials have been disqualified. And she forfeits any medals, um, points, prizes, or anything of that. So she made a statement. And I'm going to read this statement now. Um, She said, I apologize 
Um, as much as I'm disappointed, I know that when I step on the track, I represent not only myself, I represent a community that has shown great support, great love. I apologize for that. Um, I didn't know how to control my emotions or deal with my emotions during that time. And she's talking about losing her mother. And so she went on to say, we all have different struggles. We all have different things we deal with. But to put on a face and have to go out in front of the world and put on a face and hide your pain, um, who are you? Who am I to tell you how to cope when you're dealing with the pain you're dealing with? Uh, A struggle that you've never experienced before or that you never thought you'd have to deal with. Who am I to tell you how to cope? And who am I to tell you you're wrong for hurting? Now, for me, that got me. You know what I mean? It really did. It got me thinking and it got me, you know, I, I know people want to jump to saying, well, rules are rules. She broke the rules and it, it ends there. But you got to be able to show some kind of compassion. Um, you know, when people are dealing with serious situations, you know, like losing their mother and they're finding ways to cope. And, and this is a conversation that we've had a lot. So what, what is your what is your take on everything and, and how it unfolded and the ways and how it speaks to the bigger issue of how people in society have coped with things and been punished for it? Yeah, I think it's, it's to your point, right? You know, obviously we, won't, we don't want to sit here as role models and fathers, you know what I'm saying? You know, trying to say that, you know, when it's when things get really tough that you can go do something that you're not supposed to do. You know what I'm okay. saying? We understand that rules are rules, right? But I think that what, what this opportunity has done has been, you know, able to shine a light on rules being outdated, right? Rules being silly, Um you know, when we think about the Olympics and different things like that, you know, things that are on those banned lists are usually performance enhancement um, drugs or right. whatever you want to call supplements or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, over time, you know, the cannabis plant has been stigmatized in so many different ways, but performance enhancement has never been one of them. Right. Right. So when we think about what she did, like, yes, you know, sometimes people have to make a sacrifice. Some people have to fall on a sword. And, you know, this is what she has to do with this 30 day uh, suspension. But what we wanted to do is bring to light that, you know, most professional uh, sports has now, you know, either took cannabis off their list or they're no longer testing for it. Um, You know, within our country, there's so many different states where recreational use is allowed. So the same way that you can go and buy a pack of cigarettes or you could go buy a bottle of alcohol is the same way that you can now go and buy cannabis. Right. So why is it still um, being, you know, policed or why is this stigma still behind this plant? You know what I'm saying? So we also understand that with the Olympics is obviously a worldwide uh, uh, committee, right, in right. sport, right? So we understand that there's other countries that chiming in and different things like that. But, you know, what I'm advocating for is for them to now start to look just the way all these other professional sports have looked at cannabis and now start do your research and realize that it's really silly, you know, because like I said before, I'm like, you know, she won the trials was in Portland, Oregon, where you can do them in anything you want, right. even legal, right? You could do right. meth, cocaine, any of those things in, in the state of uh, Oregon with no penalties. Mm-hmm. Right? But then, you know, when you think about it, you know, that night or the two nights before, she could have just been having trouble sleeping. You know what I'm saying? We come to find out, obviously, she was dealing with a real life issue, right, of losing someone in the way that she found out, you know, 
thank God she didn't do something way worse than smoke a joint. You know right. what I mean? When we right. really think about it. And the fact that, you know, when you talk about the compassion side of it, is that she still decided to go out and represent her country and she won. You know what I'm saying? She won in such a fashion that it was inspirational for women and all these different things. And when we talk about in this country how we want to uplift women and different things like that, it's just crazy that we will put her on this pedestal and try to rip her down, you know what I'm saying, in which the manner that this has actually happened. You know what I'm saying? And when you think about the reason why, you know, everybody always want to say that we want to bring racism in when we talk about it. But the reason why it's, it's important for us and our community is because we don't have too many heroes, right? It, it's, it's far-fetched, few between that we can find people that we can have our daughters look up to and be and inspired to be like, you know what I'm saying? And when you think about it, once again, the cannabis plant is what's going to pull her down. Something that once again, like I said, the entire country, at least our country and most countries abroad too, are now accepting some form of cannabis within those countries. It's just silly, man. And I think that they need to really go back. The Olympic Committee need to really go back and, and review cannabis again and just take it off the list. Because once again, it's not performance enhancing. And if God, if, if these people are struggling with depression, anxiety, anything that they want, you know, it's way safer than the alternative things that they have access to, the pills, alcohol, all these other things. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm really focused on and hopefully trying to use this moment to create change from that level. You know, it's interesting, um, you know, just just seeing the reactions of people. And I had, you know, we talk about, you know, you change hats sometimes. So now you put on the father hat, right? Yeah. And I'm talking to my kids and I'm showing them the reactions of people and the the harsh reality. I just finished telling my son this. Mm -hmm. The harsh reality is nobody cares what you're going through. Right. That's a tough reality. That's a tough, honest, I mean, because I looked at the, I looked at her talking about her mother and she lost her mother and I just felt compassion. I'm talking like, oh my gosh, like it pulled at my heartstrings. But then looking at the comments of other people and they're like, who cares what she's going through? The rules are the rules. If she broke the rules, she got to get punished. And it's such a callous. So yet yeah, I understand that the rules are the rules, but it's like the, you know, being able to look at athletes as humans. And that's something that we've been talking to um, talking about the past, you know, I'd say a few months and everything like that. Um, Naomi Osaka, you know, she, they, they were no longer looking at her as a human. You know, forget what you're going through. Got to talk to the media. Don't even matter. You know what I mean? So if she says, okay, well, now I'm going to try to self-medicate myself in order to be able to talk to the media, what you want me to do, then you want to penalize her for that. But it's, it's like, where does the compassion come into the equation? You know what I mean? It's tough, right? Because you you would think, because I always say, like, you know, people of color, especially black people, we are, I think we are the most compassionate creatures on earth, right? Just because of what we've been through, um, the actual physical power that we do have and the fact that we, a lot of time, turn the other cheek in so many different ways, right? But the one thing that has been, you know, definitely eye-opening for me is, you know, on my social media, most people that are saying the rules are the rules and she should have known better are people that look like us. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of them are saying, like, to me, like, what kind of example are you setting as a celebrity to, you know, rules are rules and she should have stuck with and different things like that. And, you know, it, it made me definitely kind of step back and kind of look at it and just make sure I'm not like <laughs> bugging. Right? right. But, you know, I think the compassion is one thing. And I think that, you know, I guess compassion has been shown to her. 
right? Um, you know, I see like Nike's decided to support her and continue to keep her contract in place because I think for sure four or five years ago, she would have definitely lost her endorsement deals over something like this. You know what I'm saying? So I think that, you know, it's built, it's, it's stepping stones. You know what I'm saying? I think that, you know, uh, you know, like I said, long, a while ago, four or five years ago, it would have been definitely more tragic to her, you know, to her career where this time is a 30 day suspension and, you know, it still allows her to go out and compete. But, you know, it's funny, like, even with that, like, I damn near feel like, you know, um, she's being used, right? Cause I'm like, she can still play, she can still run in the relays, but she can't run in the, the hundred, you know what I'm saying? What she just, you know, won, you know what I'm saying? So like, she can't get an individual accolade, but she can get the team accolade. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, so I'm kind of torn, you know, but I want to see her compete, right? You know, cause I know, you know, the Olympics come around every four years. It's not like our, how we play. Like, we got 82 games. We get suspended five games. We still got 70-something games left. So, right. I totally get it. You know what I'm saying? But I think that, you know, like I said, I just think that this is the opportunity where we just need cannabis to be uh, – have them to take another look. And we just need athletes to have access to it because there's too much information that is available now about the, the power and the benefits of the plant from a medicinal standpoint. Mm-hmm. And you think about the other alternative ways that they want to treat us, you know, these are the things that are highly addictive. These are the things that are really drugs. These are the things that, you know, if we take, you know, four, five, six pills because we're really going through it, that we might not wake up. You know, we right. can spend four, five, six, seven, eight, 20 joints and God is going to bless us to wake up the next day for sure. You know what right. I'm saying? So, you know, we just we just want to – that's what I'm advocating for, literally, seriously, bro. It's just like, you know, let's change the stigmas. Enough is enough already, man. Like, enough, like cannabis has been used to destroy the black community. You know what I'm saying? You know, most people say, well, all communities, but basically ours, right? Because when you think about all the people incarcerated, once again – Black people never owned grows and mm-hmm. we never owned transportation companies, right? Mm-hmm. But, but somehow these, this plant has reached all of our communities around the entire country and the only ones that are being the, being enforced is in our community, right? right? That's what we're talking about. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, that's why we bring race into this thing because mm-hmm. those big those those big grows and all the, around the country, California, whatever, we never hear about those being popped for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, and obviously there's no real true enforcement because a lot of those places is one way in and one way out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there has to be some form of participation <laughs> for this distribution that's happening into our community. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so that's you know, what we're talking about. It, it hurts me, you know, since I've been, you know, here in D.C. and working with different correctional facilities, youth correctional facilities. And this is something that we've talked about. Me and you have talked about it. Um, you know, and I, I work with the youth under, under the age of 18. Um, a lot of times they're in, they have some that are in the same DC prison. They're just in the youth section. You know what I mean? Like they don't, like in New York, they don't have Spofford anymore. You just at Rikers Island, you just in the youth section. But I look at what they're in there for. And it's like possession of a little teaspoon of weed. Or possession of this. Meanwhile, I'm seeing as weed is being legalized, people get rich off of it. You know what I mean? A lot of white people, let's be honest with you, getting rich off of it, you know, investing in it, you know, lobbying for it now, it being passed. And I'm looking at this and going back to our community when people are saying, well, why are you making it a race issue? Then I look at these kids that are all locked up, young and old, a lot of grown men locked up for 
nonviolent crimes, possession of weed, literally. And if you say, like you, they say repeat offender, but it's possession of weed, a nickel bag, right. possession of a dime bag, and then a possession. And they say if it's above a certain amount, it's intent to distribute. And then you get an extended year, years longer than what we just saw Derek Chauvin get for murdering somebody. So when people say, why are you making it a racial issue? No, let's 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 connect the dots and show you how it's a racial issue. No, big time. You see your point. Like if you guys, you can call it a nickel bag of weed. That's personal use, man. Yes. I'm going to jail because I wanted to smoke a little bit of weed. Like and not go to jail for like the night, like years. Mm -hmm. No, yes, it is a race issue. And as much as people want to try to act like it's not and get around it. And, you know, obviously there are stories of white people that have been locked up. We get it. Right. Mm -hmm. But even those charges, they don't get the same charges we get. You know what I'm saying? Like go and look like before people keep saying, you know, fighting what we're saying, just do a little bit of research because we've done it already. We're not making this up. You know what I'm saying? So. Yes, bro. It's a a lot of work to be done. And, you know, from that perspective, like, yes, I think that we have to continue to make it a race thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's what we we're letting them off the hook. If we decide to say, you know, we're not going to talk about the race side. No, that's a huge part of it. And to your point, um, you know, this industry is being dominated by white male. Um, you know, our opportunities in this space is very, very small, like minute, like where we can only have social equity licenses that, you know, allow you to cultivate in 5,000 square feet where our counterparts are building million square foot cultivations. And we might be able to get one store, right? But they have a conglomerate of 30, 40, 50 stores. You know, you understand what I'm saying? So it's like, even when they act like it's an opportunity, it's really not one. You know what I'm saying? It's more of like a band-aid. Just like, okay, let's just check this box. We gave them a couple. We gave them a presence, right? Well, no, we want to have a real seat at the table. You know what I'm saying? And you know, we and and as we go through different things like this, this is really important. Just like Black Lives Matter, I just think that there's there's certain times in history or certain moments that we really have to really make our presence felt and make our voices be heard. And I think this is one of those things because, like I said, this young black queen of ours, she's ours, bro. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we got to protect her like that. You know what I'm saying? And we have to support her like that. And, you know, I just wish that more athletes would have stood, to be honest, like would have came out and more supported her. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, there's a lot of current athletes that are using cannabis in different ways, you know, and that's what and that's what people have to also grow mentally. Right. Just because I use cannabis don't mean I'm smoking, don't mean I'm taking a bun rip. Right. You know, it could be an edible. It could be a tincture. It could be a topical. It's mm-hmm. all these different ways that we can use the plant to medicinally benefit us. You know what I'm saying? That we can recover faster, that we can uh, get uh, inflammation out of our body. All these different things that athletes need, right? That's the reason why you pay your money to come see us and support us. And you want us to be out there and be at the highest level when we go and play. You know what I'm saying? And cannabis can allow that. So we just have to continue to fight for this, man. And I just wish that, you know, more of our people, because we are the show. Right. You know what I'm saying? We dominate the Olympics. Let's just keep it real. You know what I'm saying? Like we need to come together and be like, look, we want change in certain some of these things. If y'all want us to continue to, um, you know, continue to participate. I think I think you mentioned something earlier about changing the stigma of it. And people really have to understand the way that prescription drugs are pushed on athletes. 
Um, especially football. Now, football, it's not, they have it like lined up on a table. It's not even, you know, and these are opioids. These are like not no, you know what I mean, over-the-counter Tylenol we're talking about. We're talking about major addictive drugs that 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 people are struggling right now with, and they pass them out like they're candy. You know, the same thing in basketball, pass them out like they're candy, give you this needle, be able to do this in order for you to go out. But I always had an issue with, but now, and things are changing now, things are changing in the NBA, Things, but the way that you demonize this, you know what I mean? Talking about marijuana, talking about all the medicinal purposes, I just had, a, I just had an issue with it, you know? Is it something that should be legalized across the board of athletics? It should be it should be legalized worldwide, right? No, but right. yeah, across across athletics for sure. And um, you know, to your point, you know, we are forced to take um, these opioids. Um, I, you know, my story is like I had, you know, I played a lot of games. I was able to play. I, obviously, I would be hurt a lot of times more in the off seasons or whatever. But like, I played through pain a lot, right? You know, mm-hmm. for seven straight years, I took anti-inflammatories, bro. Like two in the morning, one at night. Uh, 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 anti-inflammatory called Celebrex. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, bro, I was popping them things like, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, obviously I knew that there were side effects and different things like that. But at the end of this day, just like you, we first generation money in our family, right? It's just like, it's just like the NFL guys and every sport, especially for black athletes and, and athletes of color. Like, right, we we don't have no other opportunity that's going to ever afford us the opportunity to make millions of dollars. You know what I'm saying? So we had to put our bodies on the line and we had to sacrifice and we had to play with through injury and play through pain and play with all the opioids or whatever, you know, so that we can go out and just provide for our family. Right. So, you know, at the end of the day, when you think about, you know, the sacrifice, sacrifices that we make all we're asking is like look just give us access to all the medicine right and if we can find a way to medicate through the cannabis plant something that's natural like there's seeds the little seeds like this that we put in a in the in dirt and this plant grows that's not a drug man it's right. not drugs are made in a lab right. like those opioids like they have traces of cocaine traces of meth all these different things in these in these opioids that they're giving us, those are real drugs. Those are the yeah. drug dealers. We're not drug dealers going to see into dirt and watching the plant grow, right. drying it, letting it sit and hang for two weeks, and then breaking it down and either smoking it, bonging it, uh, extracting it for an edible, whatever we choose to do with it. That's not a drug. You know, and athletes, are, we know that now, right? And, you know, like I said, I think it's on us now that we just got to fight for it. You know, guys just got to step out because, you know, as you know, some of the best players in our league actually use with cannabis. Mm-hmm. So I think that if they speak on it, man, because like I said, man, it's, none of these sports are anything without us. And that's just straight up. You know what I'm saying? So this is just our time to use our voice and stand up. I think it's important also to keep pushing the contradictions. Um, you know, and the contradiction of being able to prescribe these opioids to athletes like it's nothing. And then still, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's mind boggling because I've, I've seen, you know, you know, especially when you see the retired athletes and you see like if you've ever gone to any function with the retired NFL players and they can barely walk like they're our age, but their bodies are like they're 80 years old. And they tell you about how they, you know, the, the the opioids that they're still on, like you listen to their stories and this is all, everything that they're still addicted to and having struggles with and everything like that was given to them by their trainer, yep. given to them by their team. Those are the ones that gave them all the different drugs and then how it 
you know, destroyed their lives and how right now they're, it, it's just, it's just amazing to me. So then, so going back to what we're talking about with Shikari, you know, just seeing the way that she has been treated on social media, you've had a lot of the support, but just seeing the other parts where I'm like, well, what would y'all have rather had happened? Well, you know what I mean? Would, would you have rather that she take an opioid and then you would have been okay with that? Or would you have rather what? Like you see all these, these tragic things happen with people who are trying to cope with something and they're in a situation where nobody cares, which is the reality of it. And then they have to figure out ways. So if she would have started drinking, would that have been better for you? If she would have started, you know what I mean? You go down the list because it's, it bothers me that so many people don't care, even though I know that's the reality. And what I have to tell my kids that the reality of life is people don't care. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man, it's a hard, it's a harsh reality. And like you said, like damn near, like I feel like people would have preferred her to show up to the meet drunk. Right. 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 Drinking all night, just drinking her pain away and showed up drunk. But you know, to your point, you know, that is, is just, it's sad, man. Cause to your, like most people don't care. Like 99.9% of the people don't care. And I think that once again, that's why we have to stand up for what we believe in. You know what I'm saying? Because living our lives, trying to please other, it's just, it's a dead end street. You know what I'm saying? Like, like literally, like I remember when I was young, first coming in the league, I remember older guys saying like, literally the world is made to build you up, to try to tear you down. Yeah. They build you up. Yeah, love, 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 love. And as yeah. soon as you met, like they just waiting. They can't wait for right. an opportunity to tear you down. Right. So that's where, you know, and let's take it past cannabis for a second or drugs mm-hmm. in general. That's why, like, when a player wants to leave a team and mm-hmm. wants to, you know, decide to go play wherever he want to play with his boys or whatever, mm-hmm. like, that's his prerogative because at the end of the day, you got to do what's good for you and what's going to make you happy because at the end, that's the only thing that's going to matter because trying to play for these other people, they're only going to, they only going to like you until you can't do something for them anymore. You know what I'm saying? Or until that opportunity come where they can be like, I knew he was, I knew he was fake. <laughs> right. 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 You know, I knew, I knew it was all, I knew it, like they can't wait any little thing to tear you down. And once again, like this just is just another example of like of it right now. And then once again, our white counterparts, you know, we've seen a bunch of these guys have issues and, you know, guys beat up their girlfriends, beat up to a pulp. And I remember when, you know, A.B. had his issue. He was on Spell Center every day, every day, a new police report, a new witness, a new this, a new that. Right. My man that just beat up the girl for the play for Philly, whatever team he played for the Panthers, whatever. It was mm-hmm. one little article, right? And that was it. And that was it. Yeah. And so, like, let's not act like there's two different sets of rules. You know what I'm saying? And we are whole at a way higher level of accountability than everybody else. You know what I'm saying? And it's just for us, it's just it's not fair, bro. And it's time to change this shit, man. It's, 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 it's getting old. It's getting boring. I'm tired of it. You know what I'm saying? Think about that conversation you had with your son. You probably had it with him three or four times already. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a constant thing that we have to continue to deal with, and we and because we, we have eyes and we see what's going on. We're highly educated. We mm-hmm. see that there's a, obviously there's a difference. There's a huge difference. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's just one of those things that I don't think it's ever going to stop, right? Because I sit and think, like, you know, will it ever? Will we ever get to the point where it's a, a, a level playing field? And I just don't think it is, man. It's just because the uh. 
those people, especially, you know, they have too much control over a lot of things. The media, they have control over all these things. Like even with the girl, like the narrative, you know what I'm saying? They control the narrative at all times. And then they create and make you think that certain things are certain ways when they're not. You know what I'm saying? Like they could spin our words right now and make it seem like we some anti-whatever. You know what I'm I know, saying? I know. And that's, that's just how it is. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I just think that once again, I just think that, you know, we just had a time and day and age where like we just gotta not be scared, like and just gotta step out in the forefront, you know what I mean? And just and, and push and fight for what we believe in, no matter what it is. Right. And it's not, you know, like you said, as far as the spinning, people will say that's like, oh, so they're telling young people to don't care about the rules. They're like, no, that's not what we said. You know what I mean? Or you're telling people to work rules don't apply to athletes. No, that's not what we said. You know, never said that. <laughs> you, I, you, I'm amazed at sometimes how people spin stuff, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, never said it. I was like, have to play it back. Like, wait, did I say that? I mean, look, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't say that, you know. But it's, it's interesting where people have to understand that you know, you can identify a rule as being a bad rule. And then it takes an event to be able to bring it to the forefront and to illustrate why it's a bad rule. And then you start getting everyone to push for this rule to be changed. And I think that this is a situation where you do have enough people who at least can show, can see, and are making argument because now you have people discussing. You know, all uh, every sports topic, you know, all ESPN, FS1, all of them, they're discussing it. They're presenting different arguments. It's a topic now. And now people are starting to think about it in ways that they didn't think about it before because of her situation. And they're starting to see where, well, you know, why is this uh, uh, listed with other performance enhancers when it's not a performance enhancer? You know what I mean? Like, what are different ways that should this be something that we can, you know, use for our athletes to be able to deal with different things instead of just throwing them out there and telling them just perform? You know what I mean? Or just throwing them in front of the media like Naomi Osaka and say, look, forget what you're feeling. You just you just go by the rules and talk to the media. You know, and I I think that that this this situation with Shikari and Naomi and and I'm comparing the two because it's showing the humanness the humanity of athletes. And we're really human. Like it's there's a human being under the person who's breaking all the records and performing at an optimal level. There's a human being underneath there. And I think that a lot of people for, forget that. And if, she, and if she was, but you got to think about it, man. Like if she didn't care about the rules, she would have been tested dirty for weed, right? You know, obviously this wasn't the first time she ever smoked weed, right? Just like, you know, us when we played throughout our career, right? We knew that we could, you know, smoke during the summer, but when the season starts, you got to cut it off because you get tested. You got to think that, and to your point, like with the compassion, she had to be very low, right? Like she knew she she knew she had to run in four or five days, right? She knew that she, she knew that she probably she was going to test dirty. She had to be pretty low at that moment to say, you know what, I'm either going to do this or I'm going to do that, and her that was probably way more detrimental to her health and to everything she had going on. So she decided to light up some weed, man. Or she decided to take an edible. Like, she hasn't even been clear on what she did, right? But at the same time, it's like, you know, just think about that. Like, she's been an athlete for a minute now. She's been being tested this entire time. She's been clean, no issues. But for her to do this a couple of days before the race, you gotta that gotta tell you something. Like the girl was in a bad spot, man. She was in exactly. a bad. Race. To your point, she probably didn't have anybody that she could really talk to. 
You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Somebody that could talk her off the ledge. She probably was just in her mind. My mom, like, you know, <laughs> I lost my dad when I was eight, and I remember what that did to me. But as a 41-year-old man, or if I was 20, which she's 21, and 21. losing my mom or my dad at that age would have definitely, like, you know what I'm saying? It's just a... Is a different is a different thing like losing a parent, losing a child. You know what I'm saying? Losing anybody is things that you care about. You know what I'm saying? But losing right. your mom is just like, I'm sure that's a a pretty tough blow to take, and having to go out and compete, and you know all these different things. It was funny. I seen a meme where it showed, uh, you know, once again talking shit about it. it were like they showed Brett Favre the day his dad died. He went out, he threw for 400 yards, four touchdowns. Mm. But the team said, but look, but his face, it did. He's like, it looked like he probably took 30 perks before the <laughs> before the right. game. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I don't know if he did or didn't. But right. it's crazy because if he did, that was okay. Right. Right. If that's right. what he took to get through that moment to be able to go out and play. And I'm, I'm not throwing that on Brett Favre. I'm just using oh, no, but there's a lot of people you can use in that. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying? But if that is the truth, what is the difference, man? Like, yeah. what is the difference? You know what I mean? Like, what is, there's a huge difference. Perks is a drug. Cannabis, to me, isn't. But, you know, so everybody copes with things differently. And, you know, yes, rules are rules. But this is a rule that needs to be changed. And that's and I'm going to stick with that. I don't care. Like, you know, our point is all these all these leagues are now taking cannabis off the ban list. So Olympic Committee, it's time for you to look at this and potentially do the same thing. And that's all we're asking for. We're asking for y'all to review a, a, a rule that we feel is very outdated. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's about to cost this girl one of her dream opportunities. Right, right. And that's the part, you know, and your, to your point, when you're talking about Brett Favre, I remember reading about Mike Tyson and how they had him on all kind of things, all kind of prescription drugs, all kind of, you know, where sometimes it sounded like he was just walking around like a zombie. Zombie. You know, and they, they had him all up. But then, and he, I saw him talking about how he went away from that and started using medicinal, you know, you know, weed and, and, and oils and everything like that. And it brought him down and how it, and how anxiety and, you know, his, his inflammation, like he's taught and breaking all this down. And I'm like, you have these athletes telling you how the benefits are from it so they can be able to function in society, which is what you want them to do and perform at an optimal level, but you're still against it. You know what I mean? And like you said, things are changing. I just, I just think it, things are, but they're moving at a snail's pace to me. This is something that should have been moving just like this a long time ago. You know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's creeping there. But when you see people hurting, like I was watching, um, I was watching uh, Marcellus Wiley and Emmanuel Acho. Um, they're having a great discussion. You know, some parts I agree with, some parts I didn't dis- uh, disagree with on their uh, Speak for Yourself platform on FS1. Great discussion about this topic, right? And they were talking about some of the realities that, yes, that people don't care, like the rules, like your personal situation doesn't mean that the rules change for you. Like they were making a lot of great, you know, points that were frustrating to hear, but I couldn't necessarily disagree with them because they're reality. Right. That's the reality. So I had my son actually watch their whole segment. And I was like, this is the harsh reality of where society is, but it shouldn't be that way. That's that, that's you have two different conversations. Yes. It's the harsh reality. Nobody cares. The rules are the rules. Even if the rules don't make sense, they are the rules and you have to abide. All of those are dip are definite realities. But now you have to ask, why is this still a rule? Should we shouldn't we have compassion of people? Shouldn't people's um, you know the things that they're going through? In fact, shouldn't it matter? 
Right. Shouldn't, shouldn't we care about these people as human beings? Are they robots that just need to perform? And no matter, you know what I mean. So it's it's these conversations are being had, and I think it's great. But I just want to see more humanity being shown towards athletes, and you're seeing some. But I've been disappointed to seeing how much there's a lack of it, and right. and from our people and from white people. Like you said, you know what I mean? We're supposed to be, we're compassionate people. Right. And I see so many of our people just like, eh, she, she, she knew the rules, she, she chose otherwise, and now she got to face the consequences. That's it. In a discussion. Next topic. I'm like, hey! <laughs> but once again, you got to think about it, though, but that, once again, that, that, that has mostly been our reality, too, though, right? Because when you think about uh, cannabis possession rules, Right, the rules are the rules, right? Mm-hmm. You what with a you know with a point zero two gram of cannabis, you're considered a criminal, right? You know I mean? And we know that that's silly, right? That's yeah. not enough cannabis to be um, considered, um, you know, enough to distribute. You know what I'm saying? So, right, right, right. You know, I I just think once again when I as I've been thinking about it mentally, like how our people could be still like that, and I just think that maybe it's just been issues in their life where they lost opportunity and different things because of, you know, not following the rules. And they're just like, shit, it happened to me, so it should happen to her too. You understand what I'm saying? So sometimes you got to think about, like, where the people are mentally, where they're coming from. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe why they feel the way that they feel. But, you know, um, you know, I will agree, rules are rules. And, I, and I, I'll never change that. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, I, like we've been saying and we've been preaching this, it's just we're just saying that there's now time or opportunity to change the rule. A change of old, outdated rule <laughs> that we know that girl being that girl smoking weed four or five days before dealing with her mom's initial blow of hearing her mom pass did not make her run that hundred meters in ten point four seconds or whatever. Right. She did. Like it's impossible, and you got to remember the reason why you put it on the list was allegedly with that it was going to make us, you know, not focus, couch lock, all these different things. Right? That's what it was. That's why it's on the list. It wasn't mm-hmm. because of that, you know what I'm saying? So let's stop it, man. Let, let, like let, let let's just stop it. And but you know everybody everybody has a right to their opinion. And my thing is, you know, everybody has an opinion, and I respect everybody's opinion. Like on my Instagram, you won't see me like really going at people. I'll be like, all right, you know what? I'll say my piece, and then they'll come back again. I'll be like, all right, well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Thank you for right. your opinion, respect. You know what right. I'm saying? You're not gonna right. win. You're not gonna win a lot of these battles, right? But, you know, we know what's going on. We know that we're both athletes that have medicated. You know what I'm saying? So we know the benefits of it. We know how it's make our quality of life better. Right. We know why, to your point, why at our age we're walking around the way we're walking around compared to other people that didn't have option. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we got to continue to talk about. And, you know, I think the quality of life thing is, 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 is a huge piece because, you know, we do sacrifice the hell out of our bodies 10, 15, 20 years, you know, and that's that's going from amateur to professional. All the things that we do, knowing that we're never 100 percent, you know what I'm saying? So you got the physical side of it. Then you got the mental side of it. Right. The fact that we are the breadwinners. Everything stops at our doorstep. Your cousin got in trouble. Your cousin needs help with college. Your cousin, your mother needs this. Your brother needs that. Your aunt. <laughs> all comes to our doorstep and you guys don't think that that's mentally draining once again i remember i had one of my teammates and i'm not going on on a tangent but i I had one of my teammates and he was a white uh white player and uh we were sitting and i was like talking about how i was getting my get my mom a new house 
Uh-huh. And um, and he literally looked at me and he's like, you about to buy your mom a house? And I was like, yeah. He was like, I would never buy my mom a house. <laughs> really? <laughs> he was like, she could work and get her own house. So, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? This is, we're different, bro. Like, different, right. Different sets of pressure and yeah. all of that. Like, so <laughs> when you think about that, bro, like we need something to cope, man. And you know, and alcohol is not it because that's mm-hmm. where alcoholism come. Popping pills is definitely not it because, right. you know, I know, you know, for me, the guys that I know that pop the pills the most aren't as much as athletes that I know, like after the game or whatever. Like, there's definitely some, but like uh-huh. entertainers, right? Movie, move like. They have that pressure of like living up to a certain thing. It's just, it's just so many different things that we go through mentally and physically that um, we've shown that cannabis can help help you cope. And like I said, it's just safer, man. It's just safer. And even with cannabis, like it's getting better. But, you know, now that in these different states where, you know, there's all this testing and different things like that, man, like this is a really, really safe um alternative method for for people to medicate themselves no matter what they're dealing with and you know we just want to see that readily available without all without all the scrutiny you know what i'm saying where people can be proud that they they eat an edible to go to bed at night you know what i'm saying or a, a house mom is proud that she uses a tincture you know before she takes the kids to soccer practice because she's been running around all day long you know what i'm saying compared to her drinking liquor because you know we've i've had been on soccer teams where moms actually are alcoholics it's dangerous yeah. a dangerous lifestyle you know i'm driving the kid drunk like you know what i'm saying like i've seen all i've seen like what's what's out here is real life and to your point these are the things that nobody care about like oh well that ain't my problem you know what i'm right. saying so you know we just feel like cannabis is a way that you know people can deal with a lot of these issues and you know, that's my life. That's now now my life's work is just to change the perception of it and just allow, you know, help safe cannabis to be available to as many people as possible. And talk about a little bit about what you're doing with Viola, because you're doing so much. And I want to definitely, you know, you know, take the time to really have you explain everything that you're doing. And first, first of all, talk about even how you how, how it started and why you started it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I started it. Um, this is our 10 year anniversary. You know, so this year we, we've been in the game 10 years. And, you know, for me, that's a huge deal because, um, you know, when I think about all that we've been through, like obviously as being an ex-athlete coming out of the NBA, not knowing nothing about weed and being able to start a company in a very highly regulated market that's still federally illegal and that we're here 10 years later is obviously a feat in itself. Um, the fact that, you know, we've raised just under about $25 million total in this 10-year span, mm-hmm. and we're running a, a cash flow positive business, which is another, you know, obviously big thing, um, you know, especially when uh, my counterparts, not that don't look like me, raise hundreds of millions of dollars, and a lot of those companies are nowhere to be found, right? right? But, you know, how I started was, you know, my grandmother came to see me play when I was playing for the Denver Nuggets uh, about 10 years, it was 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And when she got there, you know, she was suffering from a bunch of stuff, but she was complaining about her eyes hurting, about glaucoma. And I was telling her about how I had read in the newspaper two or three days before about cannabis helping with glaucoma. Mm-hmm. So I kept telling her about what I read, and she was like, well, what is cannabis? And I told her it's marijuana weed. She's like, reefer? She's like, well, I ain't smoking no reefer. You out your mind. <laughs> so I know the first day, but the next day she actually was in pain. So while she's in pain, I'm like, all right, Grandma. I was like, look, you're in a legal state. 
I was like, let's just try it. It'll be our secret. So she she agreed, had her try it, um, took her downstairs. I want to have later. I went to go check on her. And uh, she was downstairs crying, reading her Bible. And I'm just like, Grandma, what? You know, how are you feeling? She was like, I'm healed. She said, God gave me my sight back. She said, I haven't been able to read the words of my Bible in over three years. Wow. So that's what inspired me to start learning more about this, you know, learn about the plant, learn about all the benefits of it. And, you know, we launched our, you know, business, which we were just caregivers, you know. So all we were doing was we were taking, um, you know, uh, license, excuse me, um, subscriptions from other patients and being able to grow, cultivate for them certain strains mm-hmm. for them for whatever they were dealing with. Mm-hmm. We would give them their portion and the rest of it we would be able to sell to dispensaries. Mm-hmm. So two years you know, of ups and downs learning, uh, you know, there was a lot of opportunity for me to quit, but I didn't. You know what I'm saying? I just felt like what I was doing was something big, like one of the biggest things I could probably ever do in my life. And, you know, we ended up getting our first license in uh, 2013, into 2013. Uh, we named the company Viola, which is my grandmother's name. Okay. Um, you know, she's still with us today. She lives in Fayetteville, North Carolina. She just has dementia. So that's the reason why I can't allow to tell our story. But, you know, from there, we just started to, you know, learn. And then we scaled our business. We went to Oregon. We bought a 40-acre farm there. We built that out. Then we went to uh, Detroit. Uh, the reason why I chose Detroit was probably this is like five years in the game, six years in the game. And that's when I started to realize that there wasn't a lot of people that looked like me in the room. Right. You know, right. those four years, my head was down. I was just trying to figure out and learn as much as I could. But when I finally got a chance to look up and see who I was around, it was like nobody that looked like me anywhere. So that's when I realized, like, yo, I got to figure out a way to use all that I've learned in my platform to uplift, educate and empower more people of color and encourage them and inspire them to get into the cannabis space. We went to Detroit because we felt like that's a place where we could hire and create a lot of opportunity for people of color. Mm-hmm. So we went there, uh, we went in California. We started licensing the brand out a little bit. So we licensed it out in California, Washington, Oklahoma. Um, we just did a deal in, in Canada. So we're launching in Canada. We'll be in um, all the uh, pharmacies, you know, throughout the state of uh, Canada, which is very exciting. So, you know, we're just really just growing the business, man. You know, we have Maryland and Missouri that we're about to start building out. You know, so those mm-hmm. will be two states that we're going to include for um, 2022. So in 2022, we'll be in eight states in one country. You know what I'm saying? So the brand is just really growing. Um, and that's that side of it. And then the purpose side of it, you know, we have Viola Cares, which we work with a company called Root and Rebound. We help people, uh, you know, with reentry issues. So like when they, you know, most people think you go to jail, you serve your time, you come home, your house there, the car there, the kids right. there, the dog there. Right. Like, all that shit's gone. You know, gone. <laughs> so, you know, we try to, you know, help these people adapt back to society safely without, you know, taking the risk of getting locked up again. So, you know, trying to help them find job placements, help them find a place to live. And then, you know, whatever, any other, you know, things that they may need, you know, because there's even some people that come home and they kind of can slip through the process and then it comes up that they're a felon and that they're about to lose their job. So then Ruben Rebound will come in and, you know, we have attorneys that work pro bono that will mm-hmm. fight the case. And we've been able to have a lot of people actually keep their jobs. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's, very, very positive. Uh, we also have uh, expungement clinics that we do uh, once a month in each of our markets. Uh, we have an incubator program where we're helping young entrepreneurs, uh, you know, get into the space. You know, I'll give you one example. We have uh, a young gentleman um, named Jarrell Howard. He has a company called Gold Standard Farms uh, out of Martin, Tennessee. Uh, he had been trying to get in touch with me for like two years and mm-hmm. you know, finally was able to get my attention. And one of the things that got my attention was that his family had owned their farm for over 80 years, right? And 
for me, that was news to me because I don't know, and I don't know how many people you know that are black that have owned anything for 80 years, right? right. I don't know too many people, you know what I'm saying? So I don't, I didn't, I didn't know any, to be honest. He's the first, right? Mm-hmm. And then he gave me the story and just told me like the way his company is set up is like, it's, it's, it's the land is, is a board of directors, which was his four aunties ranging from the age of 78 years old to 96 years old, right? Wow. He's only about to take over one of those seats or whatever for the 96 year old, but he had to go to them and present to them like why he wanted to change the farm from growing like, you know, soy, wheat and different things like that to growing hemp. And, you know, he showed them my interview with David Stern. He showed my YouTube video with my grandmother. And they were just like, well, if you can get him involved, we'll, we'll probably consider it. And he was able to pull me in, man. And, you know, I'll just give you an example. Like they, that farm over the last 40 years have done $939,000 of revenue which is like a margin, they have like a margin of like five to 7% to, you know, um, this year when we have our harvest for the hemp, we're going to do $3.5 million in revenue, you know, on just a piece of that land, not even fully built out, like a small piece of the land, you know? So these are things that, you know, I'm very passionate about and just being able to help, you know, him and his family, you know, start to create generational wealth is what it's all about. You know, we can fight, we can march and Black Lives Matter all we want, but until we can figure out how to create revenue um, you know, within our communities, um, we're always going to be at a disadvantage. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm really just focusing on is economic empowerment. You know what I'm saying? Just really trying to put more ownership in this industry. You know what I'm saying? Jobs is definitely a very important piece, but we want to focus on ownership. We want to own shit. You know what I'm saying? Because we deserve it. This is our opportunity to, you know, I'll never, obviously they're never going to give us reparations. You know, everybody's getting reparations before us. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's always an excuse of why we're not going to get it and this and that and blah, 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 blah. So I just feel like cannabis is one of those things that we can use to rebuild our community. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we really focused on, brother. Um, you know, we also have Harrington Institute that's going to be coming up. So we're actually going to start a curriculum where we're going to start to educate so that people can you know, get at least a, a very strong baseline foundation of the industry so that you can then figure out what part you want to go after, but also have it accredited where, you know, you can come in and not have to come in at the ground floor. You know what I'm saying? Where you can get a better position and work your way up from there. Right. Wow. That's a lot. Thanks, that's a man. lot, man. That's, that's dope. I mean, that's, it's it's it, it's great because you're doing so much with it and you're only you're just beginning. Like you're just starting out like you've got like it's, it's, you haven't even scratched the surface yep. of where you're about to take it. Yeah. And I think that's that's dope. So, I mean, you're 10th anniversary right now. Yep. You're in how many how many cities? We're in six. We're in six states in one country right now. Six states. Six yeah, states. Yeah. Now I just want to tell you too, bro. Like you know, um, I just want to thank you for believing in me and support. Oh, sure. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, I don't. You know, I'm put you on blast, but you obviously right. for investing. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Um, you know that's something that it means a lot to me, bro. Like because. Um, what I didn't want to do was go and do all this by myself. And right. not not include other people, man. Right. Like that, I just don't see any value in that, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't see the value of me being the only one in the room that has a successful cannabis company, or you know what I'm saying, the only one yeah. that's benefiting, right? Yeah. You know, I always believe that. You know, I think because we play team sports, we know how important the team is, right? You know what I'm saying, and you know, being able to have guys like you on on, on our team and, mm-hmm. and as an investor and 
you know, the things that I know that when I need it and like, I'll be able to call on you, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just invaluable. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to just definitely tell you, you know, in front of people, like really, I thank you for believing in our vision and actually, you know, making an investment and just being so supportive like you've been. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, when, when, when we talked about it and you told me where you wanted to take it and what you wanted to do with it, I mean, I, I was, I was, I was blown away. I mean, I was like, yes, I, we were on the same page as far as, you know, building wealth and 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 educating and 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 providing for the community and providing opportunity of ownership. Like those that you you like jobs are cool. Like you can't you said it like maybe five times when we initially talked. Jobs are good, right? And everybody needs jobs, but now we're talking about ownership. Right. And just all of all of your your the vision that I that you expressed, you know, and your work ethic. Those two things going together, you know, is going to be a success and watching what you've been able to do with it and watching you on different things and seeing you bidding here for this for this permit. I mean, you know, for this bid and going in different places and seeing you speak to the I mean, you're you're on it. You know what I mean? So I, I got to tell you, my hats off to you for everything that you're doing with it and everything you're about to do. So much respect to you. Yes, sir. It's like hoop, man. Like, dog, we would. We, there's no way we'd have played 10 plus years if. Right. And go after it every day and try to get better every day. You know, yeah. I always say, like, I, you know, if I could hire athletes only, I would then there sometime. Right. Because right. I just know what it takes. We know how to be professional. We know how to be on time. Yeah. You know, teamwork. You know, these are all things that we check all those boxes. And I think that that's why we, we make I think that we actually make really solid entrepreneurs and we can find things that we're passionate about. You know what I'm saying? I think that we're really good. And, and I think that we're really good workers too. Like we've shown that we can be soldiers, right? Because mm -hmm. you no, know, some, you can't be the best player on the team, but you got to go set the pick. You got to go get right. the rebound. You got to go guard the hardest man. Like you're willing to make sacrifices for the betterment of a team goal. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's a value that we, we bring to a lot of, we can bring to a lot of different, um, you know, industries and, you know, big enough athletes right now. You know what I'm saying? Like we definitely, we definitely are are uh, good, good people to work with, good professionals to work with. And I love the fact that you're get, doing the training for people who want to get into this field. You know right. what I mean? And you're doing that. That's something. I mean, you don't see a lot of companies doing that. To be honest with you, people want to like do something and keep it to themselves. Don't want to tell nobody. But there's plenty to go around of us. If you want more. I mean, just that whole mentality, it's, it's, you know. it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. E. You know what I'm saying? What I've, what I've learned, right. Because I, I thought helping people would be a lot easier than it is. Like it's like helping people is very hard. Because you got to first, sometimes you got to sift out like who's the real, who's the fake, because you know, when you meet people, you interview people, of course, they're not going to tell you what they're not good at. Right. Like, right. like now my new interview process, like what you're not good at. Just be what honest. <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> All right. tell me, I'm a problem solver. I'm a team sure. player. I'm a this. I'm a that. I do. I work hard. I clean the floor. I do. Like, <laughs> until we actually get to working, right? So you know, it, it, it's 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 a challenge, bro. But you know, you just you got to be built for it. You got to be you got to be passionate about it. You got to want to really do it. You know and. Like, I'm be honest, man. Like, there's times where I'm, like, sitting, like, bro, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I don't know if I can continue. I, I put it on my Instagram one time. And, uh, you know, I had said something. Like, I, sometimes I don't know if I'm there to pull it all off. You know what I'm right. saying? But at the end of the day, like, the responses that I got was definitely inspirational. This is one of those days, like, once again, like, if I was an Olympic athlete that day, I probably would have smoked. Right. Got you. You know gotcha. what I'm saying? Like, it was just one of those days. I'm human. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. I, I could look and make and, and inspire and make people feel great. But at the same time, I still, when I close this laptop with you, bro, I still got to go look in the mirror. Yeah. So I was dealing with before I was talking to you right now, I'm right back to it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right, right. Like that, that's just the reality of the world that we live in. And to your point, we're not just trying to say just because we're athletes that we deserve any special rules. No, bro. Like, we, I'm just like you. We, we the same people. You know what I'm saying? It just so happened that God gave me a talent that allows me to put on display for the world to see. But, bro, I still bleed like you. I still look in the mirror like you. I still deal with the same issues and sometimes even more because of the positions that we're in. So just right. understand that and just know, like, you know, when we make mistakes, man, we don't do this shit on purpose a lot of times, man. It's just sometimes, like, you just, it's just sometimes you just start going in, in a direction and it might end up in a bad spot. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, we, you know, you know, everybody deserves forgiveness, man. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's part of it, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's why we get baptized if you're a Christian. Like, you know, you make mistakes. It's just part of it. You know what I'm saying? So... You know, we just want people just to understand that and just know, like, you know, we always putting our best efforts out there. You know what I'm saying? For the most part. That's great. That's great. Well, man, hey, keep doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Keep going. You got you got brothers that support you and um, you're doing a great job with everything, man. And the way that you're expanding everything. So I think it's great. So appreciate you coming on today, coming on the rematch, talk about everything. But uh, yeah, like I said, keep doing what you're doing. Much respect. All right. And let her run. Let her run. Yes, definitely. Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com, along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Aton Thomas 36. Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.